Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode contains disturbing content. Listener discretion advised. I'll start from the beginning. Okay. I went to a, a Catholic school in Rutherford, New Jersey. This is Gary. He didn't want me to use his real name. 2008, I graduated. You know, 17-year-old punk kid, you know, just in, just doing his thing, hanging out with friends, you know, just chilling. This was a really carefree time in Gary's life. It was the summer after high school, and he was a camp counselor for his job during the day. And then at night, he hung out with his friend Tom, and they would just chill and get high. And then one night, Tom invited Gary to go over to his coworker John's house. Tom was like... Bro, I just talked to my friend. John was telling me all this crazy stuff about the end of the world, you know, Illuminati, and, and all this stuff I never heard before. And then that night is when I met Stephen. That night, the night that Gary went to hang out with Tom's coworker, they went over specifically to watch truther videos. The Stephen he's talking about, it's Stephen Minio. We're hanging out, you know, drinking, and then the conversation starts. There was a few of us there, just telling everything about end of the world, 2012, because this happened in 2008, you know? Then aliens, reptilians, and, you know, the government's trying to take over, you know, all, all this crazy stuff. What did you think of it at the time? Like, you had never heard any of this stuff before, and you were learning it for the first time or hearing it. What did it make you think and feel? That night, I was 19 years old, hearing all that for the first time. I thought, like, oh, my gosh, like, what do I do now? Because he's telling me all these things, 9-11, bringing up all these videos. Gary hung out with those guys a couple more times, but he remembers that first night clearly. Maybe it was because the information he heard made him think about the world in a different way. It kind of scared him, like everything was in chaos. Or perhaps he remembers that night because of Stephen Minio. Actually, Stephen that night, he was almost like, I don't know, Stephen was always like kind of to himself, kind of like bobbing his head and like like saying things under his tongue. You know what I mean? Like. I don't want to say like a crazy person, but, you know, kind of. Yeah, I don't want to say it like that. I don't want to come off like that, but almost like he had like a lot of things in his head. Like he was really thinking about this stuff and sort of like obsessing over it, maybe? Yes, exactly. You said it. Perfect. I remember he even told me, uh, get a gun to protect yourself because we're going to need one. When the government tries to take over and bring us into the FEMA camps, he kept saying FEMA camps, FEMA camps, FEMA camps like that. And he was like shaking like FEMA camps, FEMA camps. Even me and my friends were like, is he okay? You know, because he, out of everybody, he was the one that like really like, we knew he was really obsessed with it. You know what I mean? I don't know how to put it. So when I first heard it, I said, what do we do now? 
you know, what can I do? What can we do? And I remember vividly, Stephen looked at me and he says, get good with God. And then he gave me Sherry Shriner's website. He's like, go to sherryshriner.com. Gary listened to Sherry Talk Radio for about a year after that. And his story kind of reminds me of Marcy. We heard from Marcy in episode two. She was really good friends with Kelly Pingilly. And for a while, she was into Sherry Shriner. That is until her mom found out about it and pulled her out of it. Marcy told me that sometimes she thinks about what could have happened to her if her mother hadn't intervened. Similarly, Gary's family recognized that he wasn't doing well. I remember even myself, when I was listening to Sherry Schreiner and all that, I fell into such a deep depression, like such a like deep, like, um, like such a dark time in my life, honestly. Even my parents shipped me out to Florida. Like they shipped me out to, to live with my sister because I was, I was a mess back then. What was it about it that made you so depressed? Because it was something like I was, I had like a lot of anxiety for everything. You know what I mean? Like the end of the world. Like you think that there is evil all around you and like everything and anything is a threat to you and your spiritual, I don't know, health or something? I guess you can put it like that. But it was kind of like, I don't know, I... I I remember researching and doing a bunch of conspiracy things with my buddies. Just like, just like we said before, I was smoking pot every day, right? And I was so deep into that. You know, I lost, I lost my job. I was just, just researching and then smoking every day. And, you know, just you can only imagine a 19, 20-year-old kid doing that every day. They're not going to feel good about themselves. Gary moved to Florida to live with his sister for a while. And... He said that she argued with him about his beliefs and specifically about the Sherry Shriner stuff. He had people in his life who were insistent on helping him, and he got through the hard times. Now he has a career that he enjoys. He's happily married, and he no longer believes or follows Sherry Shriner. And Gary credits a lot of his current life happiness to God and to his family. That's why I know that there's like God really exists because, you know, I'm thankful I didn't dive deeper into that. Look how um, Steve wound up. Look how the other girl wound up. From Cast Media, this is The Opportunist, a podcast about regular people who turn sinister simply by embracing opportunity. This is episode six in our series on Sherry Schreiner. I'm Hannah Smith. On July 15th, 2017, Barbara Rogers called 911 to report that her boyfriend, Stephen Minio, was dead. He told me. He grabbed my hands and he told me, here, he grabbed it. He put my hands around it and said, press this against the trigger. (laughs) Barbara and Stephen had been dating for less than one year when this happened. But before any of this... Barbara had already been through quite a lot in her life. I spoke with Andrew Kreckel, a prosecutor in Barbara's trial, about Barbara's experience serving in the military. She was in for almost eight years. She was in Germany. I think she mostly did clerical work. Um, Her husband was, like I said, he was in Iraq at one point. She fell off a truck and hit her head um, at one point. And that probably did not help 
anything that was going on with her mentally. Um, her husband, like I said, he was in Iraq. He actually came back from Iraq to Germany to be with her. Um, so that's how bad things got for her. After the accident, Barbara received a diagnosis of bipolar disorder and was honorably discharged for mental health reasons. Then in 2007, she and her husband divorced, and he was granted custody of their children. Barbara was living in Florida with her mom in 2016 when she met Stephen Minio online. They were friends for a very short period of time, and then in September of 2016, they started dating. Barbara left Florida and moved in with Stephen and his dad in New Jersey. From all accounts, it seems like Stephen was pretty smitten with Barbara Rogers. She was his first real girlfriend, but also being about 10 years older, she was, and she was actually a mother. She kind of was like almost like a split girlfriend, mother type role because he didn't have that. That's, that's just pure speculation on my part. It's just the way their relationship seemed because Stephen was very reliant on her. Um, she drove everywhere. Her disability checks from the military were like their sole source of income. Fairly quickly, Stephen started calling Barbara his wife. They were never legally married. They just considered each other husband and wife. Barbara changed her name on Facebook from Barbara Rogers to Barbara Minio. And Barbara was quiet. She was shy, introverted. When I spoke with Andrew Kreckel, remember, he was a prosecutor in Barbara's trial. He implied that Barbara's antisocial behavior was somehow a clue into some kind of underlying murderous tendency that she had. He painted her as this strange, reclusive woman. She was not very social, I guess, with people she didn't know. She actually lived with Stephen and Stephen's dad at one point, and she never even spoke to the dad. Um... Yes, like Barbara was in the military for eight years. Stephen's dad was in the military. There's, Like I said, we went to his house. There's stuff all over Stephen's dad's house, you know, about his time in the service and just different things related to the military. And they never even spoke about that. I also spoke with Barbara's defense attorneys, Richard Galloway and Jeffrey Monzo. Richard Galloway had a different take on Barbara's shyness. She's a very meek, mild, quiet, shy woman. Hardly speaks and uh, and is not at all assertive. I, I think that's a function of the mental health issues that she developed in the Army, but that's her personality. And he comes along, and, and again, he doesn't have any employment, he doesn't have a home, uh, et cetera, other than in his dad. After Barbara moved in with Stephen and his dad, Stephen's dad suggested that the house was just too small for all three of them to live there and that Stephen and Barbara needed to find somewhere else to live. He decided they'd move to the Poconos, asserting that it was Pennsylvania was a good place because it had, quote, good gun laws, end of quote. And based on that, they moved to the Poconos. The decisions were made by Stephen. The more you looked at their relationship all along, from beginning to You know, he convinced her to move to New Jersey, and then he convinced her to move to Pennsylvania. Uh, All of those decisions were at the uh, at the behest of of Stephen. He he was the one who was making those calls. Stephen didn't have an income, but Barbara received somewhere around five thousand dollars a month from the military. It was Stephen's dream to move to the Poconos. 
But it was Barbara's money that made it possible. And it was Barbara's car that got them there. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. For a while, it seemed like Stephen and Barbara might find happiness together in their new home in the Poconos. Stephen spent his day making YouTube videos for Sherry and exposing the New World Order, as well as making and distributing Orgone. Even though he didn't have a job, he started to see a career for himself making these YouTube videos. He even talked about one of his videos going viral. And he did become something of a celebrity among the Orgone warriors for his videos. People knew him, respected him. Hey, how's everybody doing? I want to make a video called Return to Sender. Now, this is a little trick you can do. I don't think a lot of people know about this. Um, I've done this with uh, tyrannical court dates. This is a video Stephen made about how to return unwanted mail. He doesn't show his face in the video, of course, because that was frowned upon among the organ warriors. The video is just a shot of trees, a forest. I'm guessing he took it outside of his and Barbara's apartment in the Poconos. How it works is you simply print out a label that says return to sender. Put the label over your address and you throw it right in the mailbox and the post office mails it right back to them. And it doesn't cost you a penny. Stephen places a return to sender label on a glossy sweepstakes flyer. It says that you won, but you really didn't. It's just a scam. So we're going to return the sender. He puts the flyer in a mailbox and gives a thumbs up to the camera. That's it. That's the video. He posted it on July 12th, days before he died. If Stephen hadn't died, this would just be a monotonous video about returning mail. But he did die. And now I've seen two versions of this video. The first version is the one I just shared clips from the original video that Stephen posted on his blog. It was taken off of his YouTube page before his page was deactivated, and I was able to get a copy of it. There is another version of this video that exists online, on Sherry Schreiner's YouTube page. Sherry copied the video, made some changes, and then released it on her YouTube page a few days after Stephen died. Okay, folks, I want to go over Barbara Mineo encoding Steve's death in his own video. Sherry claimed that this video predicted Stephen's death. I want you to look at the very end of the video where they put the envelope in the mailbox and she, they, she gives the thumbs up. That's not his hand, it's hers. Even though we see Stephen's hand 
earlier in the video holding up the sweepstakes flyer. And even though that same hand is seen giving a thumbs up, you know, in front of the mailbox at the end of the video, Cherry said it was actually Barbara's thumb. She's giving a thumbs up. And what that represents in Wiccan is the phallus. That represents a phallus. And she's returning the phallus to the sender, which means she's done with him. She's returning him to his creator, his father. She's returning it to the sender. She's sending him back home in a casket. Another interesting thing about the whole thing is the black sleeve. Watch closely on her left arm. Well, as you can see it in the other, the other part of the video, she has on a black sleeve, and that is required for witchcraft rituals, that before completion, they have to wear a black sleeve. Comparing the two videos, the one Stephen originally posted and then the one that Sherry posted, there is a noticeable difference. Stephen titled his original video, Return to Sender, but there's no music in the whole video. In Sherry's version, she added in Elvis Presley's song, Return to Sender, and she added it underneath Stephen's original video. So if you haven't seen the original video, which most people haven't because it's no longer online, just by watching Sherry's video, you would assume that Stephen added this song in, but he didn't. That was added by Sherry Schreiner. And then she said this about the song. Now, another interesting part was when you reverse speech, the song that was played, Return to Sender. I had Johnny Galvin at Ultrasonic Reverse Speech Analysis reverse speech that song. And what he found uh, was a couple of things going over and over in the song and backwards masking and backwards speech. I'll serve the devil. I'll serve him. I love you. I'm lost. Serve the devil. Yeah, Satan. And so, this was premeditated, folks. This whole thing. And I warned him from the start she was going to target him. She was going to be targeted, sent to him to kill him. He wouldn't listen to me. Nobody would. The proof's in the pudding, folks. The truth always comes out in the end. I just want to say this one more time. Sherry took Stephen's video, added in the song, Return to Cinder, had someone reverse that song to look for secret messages, and then used those messages as proof that Barbara had put a clue in the video about her plans to murder Stephen. Sherry literally planted the evidence and then used that evidence to vilify Barbara. It's fascinating to me because it's kind of a peek behind the curtain into this disinformation factory that Sherry had running so smoothly by the time 2017 rolled around. She could take anything, any event, video, Facebook post, and spin it into whatever she wanted it to be. And her followers believed her. I should also note, after Stephen died, Sherry went on a kind of campaign to defend herself. There were a couple of news stories that implied that Sherry might be involved with the murder somehow because of her cult. But no, she, she wanted to make it very clear that Stephen's death was not her fault. It was all Barbara Rogers. But the way that she portrayed herself as a victim, I can't help but wonder if she was just desperately trying to distance herself from everything that she and the Oregon Warriors did and said to Barbara and Stephen leading up to his death. 
Anyway, that was my warning to Steve that fell on deaf ears. And all you naysayers out there, uh, you know, I don't care if you believe me either, but you don't have to be rude. Yeah, bless everybody. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. The unavoidable truth is that Stevens falling out with Sherry is directly related to the fact that he was dating Barbara Rogers. Sherry Shriner had established herself as the mouthpiece of God. And when she got a devoted follower, a true believer, she had to be wary of things that could potentially pull an organ warrior away from her ministry. And one thing that could do that was significant others. Significant others complicate things. It's just a lot easier to control a single person. And Sherry had a history of breaking up relationships. Uh, she would separate people, spouses from, I mean, you know, she broke up relationships. And if she could get a devout follower and the, the other spouse didn't see it the same way, well, then that person should leave that spouse and basically come to her. This is Pearl Sapp. We heard from her in a previous episode. She's an Old Testament Christian and a self-proclaimed prophet. And she knew Sherry for a few years around 2011. Pearl was friends with another prophet, a man named John. And John became this kind of super fan of Sherry. And he tried to convince Pearl that Sherry was this genius. He was always sending her Sherry's articles and radio shows and websites. And then one day, out of the blue... He called Pearl on the phone, and he told her some news that shocked her. He just said that uh, sh- that uh, Sherry had told him to divorce his wife and move down where she was at. Uh, he pretty much uh, <laughs> lived in tents and did the homeless routine for four or five months. Once she got somebody under her control, she was very, very uh, manipulative. According to Pearl, John left Montana, where he was living at the time, and drove to Ohio to camp out on Sherry's property. He had a a wife and three children, I think. And um, they did divorce. And he became an alcoholic after it. He went back to Montana. All he could ever talk about was, Sherry said this, Sherry said that. Read this about Sherry, you know. Now, all of this is hearsay. And to be fair, 
It's clear to me that Pearl did not like Sherry very much. She thought that Sherry was a false prophet and a manipulator. Take it with a grain of salt. But her story about John leaving his wife for Sherry is interesting because it's not the only story I've heard of a follower of Sherry that ended up having issues in their romantic life. Well, I listened to Sherry's show for months on end before ever making a connection with any of them, okay? Years, in fact. This is MJ. And I was just hooked. I had to hear her show every single, like, the night that it would come. It was Monday nights. Monday nights with Sherry. I was like, oh, yes. MJ has been a disciple of Sherry Shriner for a little more than a decade. And she was really open and honest about how her previous struggles with drug addiction and the occult led her to Sherry Shriner. Before she found Sherry, she was lost and lonely, and she wanted more out of life, but she didn't really feel capable of changing. And then she met Sherry, and Sherry's message resonated with her. Now, the elect are these angels in the flesh that have been sent here to be born on Earth as humans. They can get into drug abuse and addictions as adults, but some way along the way, somewhere on their road, the Father will pick them up and lead them to him. This message was revolutionary to MJ, and in part it was because it helped her to stop feeling so ashamed of herself. And I'm like, yes, this makes sense. Everything makes so much sense. It would thrill me to hear this because these are things that I knew deep down were so true. The wisdom that Sherry offered MJ every week put MJ on this path to getting her life together. She was able to get a job. She got custody back of her daughter. And she was even able to make some friends among the Oregon Warriors. But as she progressed up the ladder and got further and further into the Oregon Warriors, she learned that sometimes she would have to part ways with people. One of MJ's earliest friends in the Oregon Warriors was a woman named Cherie. Oh, she posted a um, video on Facebook telling everybody that Sherry is wicked and that her orgone is wicked. And she burns a pile of orgone that they made, she and Reuben did. Cherie had recently started dating someone new, a man named Reuben. And then, seemingly out of the blue, Cherie had a falling out with Sherry, and she started making videos calling Sherry a liar and a fraud. And then Beverly Nelson called me and said, I know you've been talking to her. And she said, listen, you might want to reconsider having contact with her because she has turned on Sherry. So MJ cut off contact with her friend Cherie. And it wasn't long after that that she got a message from Sherry Schreiner saying that Sherry loved her and that Sherry had seen that MJ was an angel in the flesh, that MJ was one of the 144,000 elect. It was the only thing that MJ had ever wanted to hear. And she said, listen, I talked to Sherry Schreiner about you. Don't get mad. We're not talking bad about you. Sherry says she loves you. She says she knows who you are. You are an angel in the flesh. And I nearly lost it. I was like, what? Huh? I'm not the black sheep that got adopted? And she said, yes, you are. You have a whole life in heaven that you're going to get back to. Being told that the reason that MJ had had so many struggles in her life 
wasn't because she was a failure, but it was actually because she was an angel, that she had been born in heaven, that she was this celestial being, that she was more than human. It made things easier to bear for her. It helped MJ accept herself, love herself. It also made her a completely devoted follower to Sherry, which has made dating difficult for her. I had another boyfriend at the time that I started dating, and we amicably separated because he was a really good guy. And I got to feel what it was like to be with somebody nice. But before then, I did try to introduce him to Sherry and let him listen to what she was saying and showed him her website. And he called her a crackpot and said, this is insanity. What are you doing? Imagine trying to cultivate a relationship under those circumstances. You meet someone, they're really nice, and you hit it off, and you like them, and things are going well. But then, as things get more serious, you realize that you need to be on the same page about Sherry Schreiner. But then, they call the person who you esteem the most in the entire world, your savior, a crackpot. If MJ had to choose between Sherry and anyone else, she would always choose Sherry. Always. Let's say I did get along with someone. Let's say I found someone who was a kindred spirit, but a human. Well, you know, Lucifer and Lilith would make sure that that relationship would not work. MJ believed that she would always have trouble when she tried to date a human. Since she was an angel in the flesh, a human man wouldn't be able to fully understand her. And even worse than that, the enemy could use the person that she's dating, this human, as a way to attack her. They would work to tear us apart, and they would succeed. Why? Because guys, most men, even if they do believe in God and accept Jesus, Yahushua, they're still not as strong as a warrior, an angel in the flesh. So they would be susceptible to the attacks, and they would come after me. And it, it, they've done it time and time again. Every relationship I've had, that's what's happened. And MJ didn't dare hope that she would meet and fall in love with another angel in the flesh. She was happy just to be committed to Sherry and the cause. And she had other things that really fulfilled her. In fact, she even had her own claim to fame. She believed that she was responsible in preventing a bombing of Super Bowl forty-seven in New Orleans. Sherry had asked all the Orgone warriors if anyone was willing to go to New Orleans and put Orgone all around the Superdome because she said Yah had revealed to her that there was bombs and they were going to go off during the Super Bowl and kill everyone inside. MJ heard Sherry's call and she rose to the challenge. She drove to New Orleans. I went with a friend of mine and we Orgoned the crud out of New Orleans everywhere we could. And um, so I was part of that. Then that blackout happened, and she said, there's your proof. They were That was the bombs that it were supposed to go off, but it didn't. They malfunctioned. The lights went out for 34 minutes during that Super Bowl. Now, if there hadn't been anything out of the ordinary, Sherry probably still would have claimed victory, and MJ still would have been a hero. But something did happen. The lights went out. And Sherry talked about the success of this on her next show. And so uh, what happened was all the orgone that was in the area and being magnified by the Lord stopped um, the UFOs from coming in because they were going to come in 
and do their thing, whatever, over the stadium. Well, they couldn't come in and not crash. They know darn well, and they all have detectors on their crafts now uh, to detect areas with POE in them because the POE is what's making them crash. POE stands for positive orgone energy, by the way. The official story was that a new device that the team installed to prevent blackouts malfunctioned. So that's why the lights went out in the stadium. But Sherry announced to the Orgone Warriors that the Orgone MJ placed in New Orleans blocked the UFO attacks and saved the lives of everyone in that stadium. And it got her a lot of attention among the Orgone Warriors, including attention from Stephen Minio. One time he messaged me on like Messenger or something. And then one of his friends messaged me on Messenger. And at the time I had my picture up and not an avatar. So they knew what I really looked like. So I think his friend had a crush on me. <laughs> I forgot his name. But um, they ended up calling me one time. She said it was nice to connect with people who understood her and who saw the world in the same way that she did. Stephen and MJ stayed in touch over Facebook, commenting on each other's posts, sometimes sending messages back and forth. And MJ said she developed a crush on Stephen. But it never went anywhere. I did like Steve. I still do. You know, God bless his memory. I don't know if he's in heaven or hell. I know what I heard. Although she does wonder how things could have turned out differently. It saddens me what happened. If only he had been with me instead of this witch, he would have been alive today. And he would have been a much better person for it. <laughs> now, I'm not bragging. I'm, not, I'm just saying I'm a good person. I'm, I'm fathers. But I realize that it's better for me, you know, this way. Um, but I am mad because of people like her who aren't human and aren't good going after good people and turning them away from the truth and away from father. I was very impressed because he was younger and he was so knowledgeable, so it made sense. Enter Barbara Rogers. She knows how the story ends. Of course, she still believes Sherry's version of the story, which is that Barbara Rogers turned into a vampire witch super soldier, and yelled F you to Stephen Minio before she shot him in the head. In May of 2017, Stephen started to receive unusual messages from strangers online. He posted a prayer request in the Oregon Warrior private chat saying he was being harassed. But fairly quickly, it became clear that the messages were coming from the Oregon Warriors. Now, I don't know exactly what went down because it all happened in the private chat group. But sometime in mid to late May, things fell apart between Stephen and the Oregon Warriors. On May 29th, he posted a video on his blog. The video has been taken down and I don't have access to it, but the title is still up there. And it says, Sherry Schreiner said my wife is a reptilian, LOL. 14 years I was a supporter of Sherry's ministry. The very next day, Sherry made a Facebook post calling Barbara a witch. A few months before that, Barbara had posted on Facebook this photo of steak tartare, and she said, This is the best thing ever, cut up with raw garlic. I just crave raw meat all the time for some reason. 
I know some are grossed out by it, but it's a delicacy for me. Sherry seized on this, reposted it, and commented, that means she's into ingesting blood. And then she added, she's a witch. I can confirm that at this point. The comments on the post, predictably, echo Sherry's assumption. She's a reptilian, one Oregon warrior wrote. Sounds like she's a vampire, someone else said. Stephen struggled to understand what was going on. This is a recording he made shortly after the Oregon Warriors started bullying Barbara. No, I'm just confused. So it seems like she's doing good, but then why would she be saying these lies towards us? But now here's what doesn't make sense about Sherry. She actually said, when I told people to pray, you know, to Heavenly Father that this wasn't true about Barbara, she said the Heavenly Father laughed. That was a red flag. You know what I'm saying? So is she really hearing from the father, or is she just making all this up? Sherry made it clear that her issue was with Barbara, not Stephen. Barbara was the problem. Barbara was the witch. And she said that Stephen should leave Barbara and come back to her, back to the fold. But Stephen wouldn't do it. He wouldn't leave Barbara. He loved her, and he was also dependent on her financially. This is Andrew Kreckel again. And I think Stephen was torn between Sherry Schreiner, who may have also been like a mother figure to him, but she's kind of abstract because she's just online. And then there's Barbara, who's actually like physically right there in front of him. Um, and then these people that, you know, maybe he thought they were for his friends or whatever with the cult, they're all of a sudden they're, they're turning against his girlfriend, um, you know, accusing her of being like the very thing that the cult is afraid of. I think Stephen was always more into Sherry Schreiner than Barbara Rogers was. Barbara went along with it to make Stephen happy. She wasn't really a true believer, but Stephen was. He thought of Sherry as a prophet, and he had dedicated a lot of his life to serving her. And then suddenly, she gave him this ultimatum. It's either Barbara or me. And Stephen couldn't leave Barbara, but he also couldn't leave Sherry. And this threw him into a state of distress. And what started in May was this constant online battle between Stephen and the Oregon Warriors. Stephen knew that they were saying bad things about Barbara, and he hated that. He hated that her name was getting dragged through the mud. It drove him mad. He spent hours online fighting with people, trying to defend her name. And her, and her little minions keep texting me uh, on Facebook, and they're saying, oh, they're, they're just keep, they keep repeating all the bullshit garbage they're saying on her. Oh, she eats raw meat or something. Sherry Schreiner decided once and for all, Barbara was an agent of Satan, and that was that. Sherry's word was the final word. Stephen and Barbara were removed from the private chats and unfriended by all of the Oregon warriors. But the messages and the bullying didn't stop. And then one night in late June, Barbara sent MJ a message through Facebook Messenger. That thing called Barbara Rogers read my mind. Barbara's message said, Stephen Minio is in love with Barbara Rogers. He loves beautiful Barbara. She took him away from you, LOL, because she is more beautiful. Just look at her Facebook. Did Steve talk about me? What happened between those two that made her think that? So if he didn't talk about me, if he didn't give her a reason to be jealous, 
than the demon in her knew. Do you see what I'm saying here? Reading minds. MJ claims she never expressed her feelings to Stephen. So the fact that Barbara sent MJ these messages was proof to her that Barbara wasn't human, because how else would she know about MJ's crush on Stephen? You know, there were some occasional messages that I would like that he would post and that I would respond to, but I didn't flirt. And to me, when she sent me that message, it, I, I could tell this is definitely not a human person because she read my mind. She read my innermost being. I felt violated. I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> I felt violated big time because I never told anyone. It was supernatural. I'm telling you this, not to give you information about me or my relationship with him. I'm trying to validate Sherry. Because do you see how Sherry was trying to tell Steve who and what this person was? He wouldn't believe her. And I'm telling you that this person wasn't human. I don't know exactly what happened before these Facebook messages were sent. But it's clear that even a month after the original falling out, the fighting between Stephen and Barbara and the Oregon Warriors was still happening. And it was vicious. MJ wrote back to Barbara and called her an insecure witch. I know this because MJ took screenshots of their conversation and sent them to Sherry, who then posted them on her Facebook page, which, of course made the Oregon Warriors hate Barbara even more. Personally, that email, that message she sent me on Facebook Messenger was to torment me. To say, look what you always wanted, the picture-perfect relationship. I'm doing it, and I'm doing it with somebody you had a crush on. So eat it. You know what I'm saying? Why would she do that? That's a supernatural event. MJ hoped that Stephen would read the messages that she sent to Barbara, and that would be a wake-up call to him, that he would leave Barbara and rejoin the Oregon Warriors. I don't know if he ever read it. I want to say he did, and maybe turned a blind eye because, you know, hey, love is blind, but whatever. And I, I hate that he's he's gone now. I hate it. I hate this woman. I hope she never sees the light of day again. Less than one month after Barbara and MJ had this Facebook message exchange, Stephen Minio would be dead. And it still upsets MJ because she cared for Stephen. But she also maintains to this day that Barbara Rogers is not human, that she is a demonic creature who killed Stephen. And she says she gets through the sadness by looking forward to a better time that will be coming soon. Every day we're thinking, we're hoping it'll be our last day on Earth. That's how we go forward. We're hoping every day is our last. I hope today we get to go home as I'm talking to you. I hope today's the day. Sherry was right about everything. She wasn't crazy and we're not a cult. And Sherry was not trying to brainwash anyone. She just came in here. She woke us up. She validated us with truth. She brought us back to Father. And trust me, there will be a time when the whole world knows exactly who Sherry really is. And she will be vindicated. For almost everyone that Sherry kicked out of the Oregon Warriors, they went down quietly. Yes, Richard Brown posted a video trying to discredit Sherry, but 
That was one attempt. When it didn't work, he left it. He focused his attention on building a life post-Sherry Schreiner. But not Stephen. This was only the beginning of Stephen's unraveling. Stephen did not leave quietly. Next time on The Opportunist. I had suicidal thoughts. I felt like killing myself over this. And you can pray for the forgiveness and salvation. You can't do that for these fallen beings because they're not even human. But you can be the lamb and do that. Or you can be the lion and pray for their destruction. Me, I prefer the lion because I'm, I'm done being lamb to enemies. It doesn't work. On July 15th, 2017, Stephen was reading comments about Barbara on Facebook. Hours later, this is what Barbara told the police. And I think when he saw it, he got really angry and he commented like, he commented like a whole bunch of comments. He goes, you know, I need to practice shooting my gun. He goes, come walk with me into the woods. He took the gun and started putting it into my hand. He goes, here, take it, point it at me. People want me to be their mother and their therapist and their psychologist and their psychiatrist. I don't have time for that. I'm here to wake up an army. Opportunist is a cast original podcast. It's produced by myself and Kate Mays. Editing, sound design, mixing and mastering by Matt Sewell. Colin Thompson is our executive producer, music editor, and supervisor. Story development help from Jennifer Cron. Our podcast art is by Coat of Arms. The Opportunist is written by me, Hannah Smith. Original script and some interviews by Tony Rousseau. Thank you to everyone at Cast Media for your feedback and support. The ending credits song is A Lot to Look Forward to by Lester Norton. Doesn't matter anymore Someday when someone says to you Darling, you and I are through You'll see what you had to look forward to Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.